0: Good morning, morning. welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren, it is Sunday the 27th, July is almost upon us, I can't believe that, and... We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Welcome to worship here. As you look at the bulletin, you may notice it looks a lot like a regular bulletin. This is our first Sunday back to a more normal schedule. So we will be having hymns. A couple corrections to it. Uh, our sister Janice is not feeling well this morning, so she, there will be no special music as listed in there. And when we get to our final hymn, Will You Let Me Be Your Servant, uh, number 307, we are singing the first, second, third, and sixth verse. We'll be skipping the fourth and the fifth. Don't want to start you all out hard. And, you know, I know your your vocal cords aren't used to this anymore. I think that was all the announcements out of that. All right. All right. The major announcement, I need to say this at the beginning of the worship, and I'll try to say it at the end of the worship, next week, Sunday, we will be joining with the rest of the Church of the Brethren who are are able and will be joining us in worship at annual conference streamed live here in this building. So there's annual conference, we'll be live streaming all of their worship services, and we will be joining it starts, however, at 10 o'clock, not 10:30. So worship is being moved up half an hour just for next week, so that we are able to join with all of our brothers and sisters across the country. So, please join us at 10 o'clock next Sunday. If you come at 10:30, it's not the end of the world, but you may come right in the middle of a sermon. Uh, following worship today, there is a deacon meeting. Uh, was there a place planned for meeting? Downstairs in the fellowship hall. Downstairs in the fellowship hall. There is uh, softball at 345 versus community life. If you got any questions, give Mike a call, but he is currently at uh, the Reading Church of the Brethren, so don't call him right now. He might be sermoning. Are there any other... Uh, announcements you wish to make today. Are there any prayers you wish to raise up with the community? And I'll actually start with a a prayer request from our brother Dick. Um, Shirley, while um, making the bed, had a fall yesterday and went to the hospital. They did do some x-rays and there doesn't appear to be any permanent damage, but she is not feeling well right now. So, they were not able to attend worship today. Please hold them in your prayers as, as Shirley uh, recovers. So, prayers for Eric, who's been dealing with the, the jaw cancer, um, whose who's spirits are quite low right now and is feeling angry at the world, which is understandable. But, prayers that the healing will happen. I have a, a prayer here for Ellie Thayer. Is that correct? Effie. Sorry, Effie, Effie Thayer, um, the granddaughter of our sister Ray Faye. Ay, ay, ay. Actually, it's my fault. I'm, I'm busy reading this. I should have read it before I stepped up here, but I'm reading it now. Um, gave birth to a son on Friday, Bailey. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Bailey is his name. Oh, okay. Oh, the baby. The baby had uh, breathing problems, but is doing much better. And mother is having um, some liver problems and is still in the hospital along with the baby. So prayers that, that her body will heal and the baby will continue to heal and that they'll soon be home. And I know the joy of bringing the baby home, so I'm looking forward to that for them. Well, then. If you would open up your hymnals uh, to page... Oh, sorry. My bad. I'm getting myself all mixed up. If you'll join me in a call to worship today, it's just going to be me, but I will ask you to join me in a prayer after the first hymn. We are gathering many people from many backgrounds, God, We are gathering here in this space where we realize that we are not many, but we are one. May we come together. May we pool ourselves, our gifts that you have manifested in us through the Spirit. May we gather as one to worship your name and to do your work. If you'll join in our first song today, uh, number 37, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. If you will join in prayer number 726 in the back of the hymnal if you'll pray with me gracious and eternal God we thank you for the bonds of love we share within your church we thank you for Jesus Christ who has joined us into one living body enable us by your spirit to walk together in unity of love and purpose, to help one another by work and example, to live in faithful obedience to your will, by the justice and mercy we show one another. May your name be praised through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I would like to invite the young folks to come on up for our first children's story in what, a year and a half? <laughs> hey, you're allowed to come, Aliyah. Hey, guys. All right, I might be reading a book, so if you want to, you can sit kind of half behind me so you can see. Grace, you want to read the book? One would think she's only three or something. All right. This is one of my favorite books. Um, so this song, book is called When God Made You... It's guy by a guy named Matthew Paul Turner, and you guys get to see the pictures. They're not going to get to so sorry. By the pictures are by a guy named David Catro. You, you, when God made you, God made you all shiny and new, an incredible you, a you all your own, a you unlike anyone else ever known. An exclusive design, one God refined, your perfectly crafted one of a kind. She's really getting into that dog's face, isn't she?
1: Because
0: when God made you, somehow God knew that the world needed someone exactly like you. You, you, God thinks about you. God was thinking of you long before your debut. From the very beginning, amidst history and time, you, little one, never left God's mind. God imagined your eyes, your head's shape and size, and knew, all, knew what you'd look like when you felt surprised. God pictured your nose and all ten of your toes, the sound, your vo- the sound of your voice, God had it composed. The lines on your hands, your hair, every strand. God knew every detail like it was all planned. One out of billions of faces from cultures, all races, people God made from all different places. God knew your name, your picture is framed. God's family without you would not be the same. Because when God made you, this much is true. The world got to meet who God already knew. You, you, when God sees you, God delights in what is and sees only what's true. That you, yes, you, in all of your glory, bring color and rhythm and rhyme to God's story. So be you, fully you, a show-stopping review. Live your life in full color, every tint, every hue. Discover, explore, have faith, but love more. And learn and relearn all that God made you for. Use your talents and passions, those, God, those gifts that God fashioned. Think of, idea, think of ideas and then put them into action. Because God loves you creating, your true self displaying. When light on the inside through art is portraying. When you make believe the stories conceived, the heroics, the magic, the tricks up your sleeve. When you dance alone, spinning like a cyclone, being whoever, whatever, in a world all your own. God smiles, and here's why: in the spark of your eye, a familiar reflection shines bright from inside. Because when God made you, in the world, ood and odd, in heaven they called you an image of God. That bunny doesn't look happy. Does it? You, you, when God dreams about you. God dreams about all that in you will be true. That you, God's you, will be hopeful and kind, a giver who lives with all heart, soul, and mind. A dreamer who dreams in big and small themes, one who keeps dreaming in journeys upstream. A mover, a shaker, a lover of nature. A builder of bridges, you, the peacemaker. A you who views others as sisters and brothers and lives by these three words. Love one another. A confident you. Strong and brave, too. You being you is God's dream coming true. Because when God made you, all the heaven was beaming. Over you, God was smiling and already dreaming. The end. grace uh-huh. yeah. so see i had a thought until she didn't do you guys do you guys have any gifts do you think do you guys like to paint or draw or sing yeah. 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 yeah see when god made each of us god put a little of god's self in each of us we call it the holy spirit it kinda nudges us to be good people, but also gives us amazing gifts. Like some people like to speak, and some people like to draw or sing or dance or garden or you know, even mow the lawn. I gotta tell you, there's some people out there who can mow lawns really good and some who can't. They can. But as you guys get older, you guys will kinda learn. But as you guys get older, you'll learn, you'll learn what those gifts and talents are, and you'll be able to live into them. And well, frankly, you guys are already amazing. But you'll learn to be a little more amazing yet. It's okay. But thank you, Leah. Can you guys pray with me?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Holy God, thank you for making each one of us us from every hair on our heads down to our pinky toenails. We thank you that you made us unique. And we pray that we get to be the amazing people that you wanted us to be from the very beginning. Amen.
1: All
0: right. Thank you, guys. Let's go upstairs. Okay. Oh, I did. Thank Come on. You.
1: Come on, guys. Let's
0: go. You know, I'm going to have to go back through this bulletin and make it easier for me to understand because I realize I've been just skipping over things today. And I am sorry, Beth. Are you, would you still like to play? Okay. As we take this time and we enter into a space for prayer, I invite you to listen to the music and to take those things that are on your heart, those things that were shared, And those things that you quietly hold on to and you lift them up and ask God for peace in them. join with me in prayer Lord listen to our hearts to our prayers those things that we carry that weigh our shoulders down towards the earth we ask you to lift them up to support us in those moments where we feel like we are dragging in the dust Lord, we lift up this day, especially Eric, knowing of his struggles and how they are pulling him down, of other brothers and sisters who are living in similar situations where it feels like at moments things are hopeless. We are reminded by your words that we are one. One body. And when those people feel the pain, we all feel it. We are all called to carry, to help, to support. We also celebrate, Lord, as we know of the new new child the new Thayer baby. We pray for the mother and the baby as, as they are in the hospital for healing but celebrating too for the new life and the joy. God, you made each of us, each of us special, giving to us talents and gifts, giving us personalities, unique our own selves just as every thumbprint is unique build in us that help us to explore it, to grow in it, to realize when our talents and gifts these manifestations of the spirit in us can be put towards building your kingdom we pray All these things in the ancient words that your son taught us so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you will continue in prayerful singing, number 353, twice through. There is a certain irony in today's sermon and the fact that it talks about having a good and orderly worship and I have been going all out of order. 11 through 14 of 1 Corinthians is all about worship because there was a major problem in the Corinthian church and that worship was chaotic. It was all over the place. I mean, just imagine forming a new community that has never existed before from all different cultures and races and nobody knows how to act together. Especially when you tell them you all have freedom in this faith. So it became chaotic especially as the Holy Spirit gave these gifts to the people and they didn't know when and when not to use them. I will be using uh, the word gifts a lot in the sermon, but I'll also be using the words manifestation of the Spirit, which I recently learned is a great way to translate the words that are put in the Greek. And I like that. Because it's not only something that was given to us that we have now in us, the same way that I receive a gift and now it's mine, but it's a manifestation of the Holy One inside the people. It is is God talking through them, moving through them. Now, as with other sections of 1 Corinthians, sometimes Paul is difficult to meet. Difficult to meet in the modern world. He is going to have opinions about hair length, of all things. He's going to have opinions about the right way that marriages should work. Things that don't necessarily apply as well in today's world. We have to remember that Paul was talking to a different time and a different culture. But it still applies in many ways. He's still talking to us. I tried my best in today's reading as I translated it into how I've been doing it. As I, It's not translation. It's a, a paraphrase. I tried to keep in mind what Paul was talking to, the problems that were existing in Corinth at the time. Some of them don't translate so well because we just don't know what exactly the problem was. We only have Paul's side. In fact, this whole first section of 11, as I read through several commentaries trying to figure it out, commentary after commentary said basically along the lines of, this is Greek word soup. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound like Paul, and most likely this is something we are reading half the message, and they on the other side understood all of it, but it makes no sense to us, especially since the word he keeps using for head and for covering and for hair is basically the same word. You can't tell whether he's talking about a covering, as in an actual prayer covering, or he's talking about hair. It's word soup. (laughs) So I've tried my best. And of course, just like any time we encounter the Bible and we read it, we read through our own lenses. And so you, of course, will hear some of me reflected in Paul today. So, if we will, and I will say I had a little more fun with today's dear Paul than I have been having. This is a review as found on an ancient Google website for the Assembly of Jesus Christ In Corinth, I give this faith, this new faith, a one star out of five, begrudgingly, because the system won't let me put less than one star. I had heard from a friend about this new group gathering. I understood it was connected with the Jews somehow, but also was different. I thought I might go check it out, for my friend has long been a part of this group, and she seems to really enjoy it. She told me she felt freer. She was happier ever since she listened to this Paul person who first brought it to, the, to our city. She has said that she has been forgiven of all the sins of her life and has been filled with new spirit. She also says that weekly she drinks the blood of her Savior and eats his body. I decided it was worth checking out. So I entered the building at the appointed time. There were some people in there wearing fine clothing, eating and drinking, and judging by their state of inebriation, they had been doing it for some time. But it also seemed that I wasn't late, as other people who appeared to be day laborers were just entering. I guess we were all too late, though, for that meal. They then soon started their, I guess you call it a worship, if you could call it that. Some people were standing up to tell what they heard from this spirit, and they were apparently all full of it. They were constantly interrupting one another, trying to shout out their own opinions and insights over one another. And if a woman got up to share, she was shouted down. Others were standing up and loudly speaking in languages that were completely incomprehensible. I live in Corinth. I have heard a lot of different languages. None of it made sense this time. Lastly, there were dozens of little conversations happening all over the place. And this just made the scene all the more muddled. All in all, it was loud and confused. The best thing I can say is that the men and women were at least dressed properly. I do not get what my friend sees, and I will not be returning. From Paul to the Corinthians. It makes me happy that you have tried to follow my teachings about tradition and decorum. You know that a man's family is a reflection of him. And you know that he is a reflection of them. He is brought honor and shame based on, his, based on their actions. So it is with you all and Christ. If you don't act respectfully to Jesus, then you bring dishonor on him and the church. Women, cover yourselves when you are praying and prophesying. For you appear to be women of loose morals otherwise and bring shame on yourselves and the community. It is better for you to shave your head than bring dishonor when praying uncovered. Men, don't cover your heads before God. Don't dishonor, and don't dishonor God in appearing disrespectful. Eve came from Adam, but all men are born of women. But all of you are created by God, and you ought to respect God and not be shameful. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? I say that nature teaches that long hair is disgraceful on a man, but is woman's glory. It is her gift, her covering. There is no room in the community for factions on this or contention. Sadly, though, in the following directives, I have no more praise for you, for your meetings are doing far more harm than good. If I understand this correctly, you are not, when you are coming together for worship, you are not gathering in unity, and you are not gathering in peace. Rather, you have allowed yourselves to be divided. You gather not as a single body but a group of cliques. You should be coming together to celebrate the Lord's feast. But instead, some of you are coming early. Well before others arrive and you make it into a private meal, a party. And a party, and this leaves others hungry and thirsty while you are drunk and full. Do you despise the church? Do you despise your brothers and sisters who have less? Because I know who isn't being fed. It's those who are working long hours and struggle to make ends meet. It is those who have little or nothing. Why are you shaming them? I will not sing your praises for such terrible behavior. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on that night that he was betrayed, took the bread. And after he gave, had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Encountering God is never to be taken lightly. And that's what this celebration of the bread and the cup is. It's a moment when you draw close to God. And you have used this space to sin. When you sin against this sacrifice, you are sinning against the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So examine yourselves. Examine yourselves as individuals and examine yourselves as a group. Are you partaking in this righteous practice for righteous reasons? Do you approach the table and recognize the community as a whole don't risk angering God don't approach the holy meal without considering the implications of what you're doing this really should not have been a problem seriously if you had just taken five seconds to examine yourselves you would have realized what you were doing was wrong so let me make it as plain as the nose on your face. When you gather to eat, you should all eat together. I mean, the table's for the whole group. You are one family, and God calls no one late. If this is a burden for you, if it's too long to wait till you can become together to worship and eat You know, there's a lot of fast food places out there. Just stop and grab something. Because this meal is not about filling your belly and satiating your worldly hunger. It's about coming together and filling your hearts. It's about satiating spiritual hunger. Do it this way so that God may not judge you. And we'll talk more about this when I come. Concerning those gatherings and the manifestations of the spirits. I don't want you to be confused. You know that at one time you were led astray by mute pieces of carved wood and stone. That you listened to pieces of metal and plaster cast by human hands. They may have not spoken, but others did, claiming their names. And you were led astray by them. You need to know the difference between the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of God. If someone claims to be filled with the Spirit and says, Jesus, be cursed, that isn't the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say, Lord, Jesus is Lord. And no one can say that without the Spirit. There are many ways, though, that the Spirit manifests in us, different gifts that come through its power, but they are all of and from God. Don't forget, the gifts are not for you alone. They are for the common good, for the community of the church, and for the community of the world. One manifestation may deliver a message of wisdom, and another manifestation of the Holy Spirit may deliver a message of knowledge. Someone else may receive faith or healing, and the list goes on and on. Miraculous abilities, powers of prophecy, ability to distinguish between spirits, and speaking and or interpreting unknown tongues. Tongues. These gifts, these manifestations of the Holy One in our bodies, all come from the single source. And we don't know why or how each gift is given and assigned, except that it is all done by the Spirit. These gifts are each important, and just as each of you are important, it is of consider the human body. It is made of many parts, a collection of organs and tissue. They all come together to form a single entity. So it is with Christ. You were all baptized into this body. You drank from the cup of the Spirit, and it did not matter whether you were Greek or Jew or slave or free or male or female. You were accepted at that cup. And like the human body, each of you are different. Each of you make up that Christ body. Consider the foot. Perhaps it feels ashamed. After all, it is the one who is blamed for dragging in the dirt on the nice clean floor. It is not allowed to look up at the hand, which is always or should be always cleaned... And say, since I am not the hand, I'm getting out of here. Or perhaps the ear, who is tired of being poked with Q-tips. Despite the warning on the side of the box that says, do not insert in ear canals. It cannot say, well, since I'm not the eye who doesn't get poked, I am not a part of the body. If the body was nothing but an eye, how would it hear the call of the ice cream truck? If the body was only an ear, how would it it smell the fresh chocolate chip cookies in the oven? But God has designed us carefully, preparing us to live in this world just as he wanted. The body is not found in one part or another. It is all of them coming together that the body is found. No part can leave because it feels inferior. And likewise, no part can be rejected because it's not cared for by another. The eye cannot say to the hand, you are banished. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We don't cut off a part that seems weak. Instead, we give it special care. We look after it. We give notable treatment to those things that are unpresentable. And to those things that are presentable, we let them be. God has given us great care in the construction of our bodies. Every part has its duty. Every part is honorable. They are all tied together. Every part relying on others. There is no division. As such, if any part suffers from illness or injury, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored. You are all the body of Christ. Just as I am and your brothers and sisters across this world. Not everyone can be an apostle or a prophet. Not everyone can teach or perform miracles or heal. But it doesn't matter if you can do one of those or if your gift is that you are a good listener... Or you're a good helping hand. Or you have sound advice. Or you can speak or interpret tongues. What really matters is that you lean into those gifts. That you take these manifestations of the Spirit. And you use them to support and build the body of Christ. So don't argue about whether your gift is greater or than another. And don't claim a gift or a manifestation that you weren't given. But you know what? I can tell you something that's better than these manifestations, better than these gifts, something that will make your lives better. Consider if I am one who speaks in tongues. I could speak all day. But frankly, it would sound like a bunch of Canadian geese having an argument if I did so with pride in my heart. And not love. I could deliver prophecy all day. I could tell you every secret knowledge there is out there. Or my faith could be so strong that when I say move to the mountain, it actually moves. But if I do so without love, these actions, these words are meaningless. I could empty out all of my bank accounts. I could sell all of my belongings. I can give myself to living on the streets just to serve others. But if I do so, so I can brag in my faith and not for love, it counts for nothing. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It doesn't take pleasure. I'm sorry. It does, though, take pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. It trusts God always. Always look for the best. Never look back. Because love keeps going on to the end. Eventually this world will change. And all those manifestations of the Spirit will go away. For they will no longer be needed. Prophecies and tongues will become meaningless and replaced, and knowledge will be replaced, but what will, will remain. What lasts from the days of peace through all hardships and on into the glory of God is love. Love is eternal, never failing, ever powerful. You were once children, but you grew up. You no longer needed mom and dad to come in and give you a kiss goodnight. To tuck you in and turn on the nightlight. You put those things behind you and you lived as an adult. So it is with these gifts. You are children in Jesus. And these manifestations are comforts for you in this cruel world. They teach you, they guide you as you grow in Jesus' way. But one day, you will put them aside in the memory box. And you will no longer need to look to them because you are going to be mature followers of the Messiah. For now, I know that just looks half visible. It's like your reflection in a foggy mirror. But soon... Very soon, you will see Jesus as clearly as if you were standing with him toe to toe. Then you will know, and you will understand that you have been fully known. When we reach that time, only three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Love is your mantra. Speak it over and over again. Every day, every moment, every place you go, but especially in worship. When you are in worship, consider love and how you use your gifts. If you are a speaker of tongues, know that it is a gift that allows you personally to speak directly to God. But if there's no one there to interpret... You're only teaching yourself. It would be great if every single one of you spoke in tongues. But frankly, I'd prefer you all to speak in prophecy. That is the wisdom and knowledge that you can share with others. For someone who can teach everyone is raising everyone. Consider when I came to you, when I brought you the gospel that first time. What if I just spoke in tongues? You would have ignored me. You would have rejected Jesus. But that would have been my fault, not yours. It would have been useless to you, or I would have been useless to you if I had spoken like that and not given you clear revelation and teachings. Have you ever listened to a toddler playing piano? They don't know the keys. They don't know technique. They just bang away in no discernible rhythm or melody. They may hear the alphabet song, or twinkle, twinkle, little star, or ba ba black sheep. But to the rest of us, it's just noise. That is what a person speaking in tongues sounds like to the listener. So don't just speak unintelligible words. Love your neighbors and know whether what you are doing, what you are saying, is bringing them closer to God or alienating them with unknown gibberish. You are all eager for the Spirit to manifest in yourselves. Seek those gifts that build the church up. So, those of you who have been blessed with the manifest, manifestation of the tongue, pray that your words are understandable to others. That you are able to bring them into your experience with God. When you pray in tongues, it is with both, it is you praying directly with your soul. But your mind has been set on standby. Turn it back on. Pray with both your soul and your mind. Let your spirit be free in the power of the Holy One. But be mindful of your surroundings. And the effect of what what you're doing may interrupt their worship just because it's your expression of faith. You may say something that is truly beautiful, but the others will not or may not understand it. And someone who is just dipping their toes into the gospel will be confused and put off. You know I, too, speak in tongues all the time, probably more than you. But in worship, I'd rather say five intelligible, intelligible coherent words than ten minutes in an unknown tongue. So, stop being like children. Brothers and sisters, think like adults. Like the law states. With other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Do you understand? Tongues are a signal for non-believers, so that they know that power is happening. Prophecy, teaching, that is for the believers. To raise the community up. Consider you all gathered for worship. Consider a bunch gathered for worship and you enter. And they are all speaking tongues. What do you think you as the newbie would say? You'd say they've all gone mad. But what if they're all speaking truth of faith? Truths of knowledge. Their soul will be laid bare, and they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So, when you gather to worship, do so orderly and in love. Sing, teach, learn, share testimony, speak in tongues, and interpret. Everything you do is for the building of the church. If you have tongue speakers, just have two or three speak. Only then if they have an interpreter. And if you are dismayed because you can't share a gift, please enjoy it in quiet conversation with God. That is what it was for. Have two or three people deliver prophecy Consider their words carefully. And if you receive an insight while listening to their words, don't interrupt. Wait for them to finish first. That's just common courtesy. You can all share. You can all instruct. You can all encourage. And guess what? You can all be instructed and you can all be encouraged. Prophets control your prophecy. Don't just blurt it out. Be orderly. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. For those of you who are chatterboxes, be quiet. If you are confused by something, wait until later to ask someone. Don't disrupt the group because of your own needs. Brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. Don't think that you are in charge of how the word of God moves through the group. Don't think you get to decide who has what spirit. Only they can feel that. And you can only acknowledge the experiences of man and woman. This is God's command. Ignore it, and the Spirit will ignore you. So then, be eager to prophecy, and do not forbid the speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Thank you. We'll join in hymn number 307, Will You Let Me Be Your Spirit? Again, verses 1, 2, 3, and 6. coming up soon on the end of Corinthians, though we're going to wait a week, because a reminder, 10 o'clock next Sunday, we're having live stream worship cross denomination. But we are coming up to the end of the Corinthians book, as he's going to switch gears and talk about what's coming. It's always poignant to me, how much time Paul spends on the here and now, though. He's always looking towards what's coming, but he's always worried about what's happening right now, about the actions we take every single day in our lives. I'll tell you that this is some of my favorite reading also. I may struggle with certain parts, but other parts, this is my favorite. I love the comparison of the body of Christ, the body of us, the parts, and how they work together. I also love the love passage. I always try not to tear up when I read that. And I can tell you the one wedding I did and I read that passage, I was fighting back tears the whole time. It's a great passage. I will tell you I read a version that came from the message today because I couldn't write better. So, as you go out today, Make all your actions, may all your actions be affected by the mantra that Paul gave us. Love, love, love is what I'm doing for love, for love of my brothers and sisters, for the love of God. So walk out of here with that on your lips. May I love everyone. May I show them the love of God. Amen.